0: Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. It's about. It's good to see you all. As I was driving um, over here this morning, I jumped in my little truck. And I, the first thing that I thought when I jumped in the truck, I said, this is... And we're losing Julie. That's the first thing that popped in my head, driving to that. And then really the Holy Spirit very kindly, like really whispered to me, really visited me and said, uh, you're not losing Julie, you're launching Julie, all right. So I I just wanna, from the very start, like this is not a a launch. If you listen to Julie's heart, what Julie's most excited about is giving her full attention to her family. So that is not a loss, that is a launch, okay? So we're gonna get behind that all day and forever. So I just wanted to declare that right from the start. I think it's hard because Julie is like family. And so uh, she has really become family to us. Uh, but I wanna talk uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, grab Nehemiah. There's two more, uh, two more weeks on this rebuild series on, the, uh, on the, the book of Nehemiah. There's this week and then next week. Next week, I'm gonna be talking about practically and specifically how we are rebuilding at Providence, four specific ways that we're rebuilding at Providence. But this week, I wanna talk about rebuilding as family, okay? Um, I'm going to get to what that means. But first of all, I, I want to recognize kind of the awkwardness that when we talk about family in church, I want to recognize the awkwardness of that doesn't feel good for everybody. Because many of us know um, uh, family that was anything but healthy, right? Many of us know not a dad who ran to us. Uh, and scooped us up in his arms to hug us and make us feel protected, but we know a dad who we ran from because we felt uh, unsafe around him. Or maybe that was our mom, or maybe that was somebody in our family, a grandparent, uh, a brother or a sister. So I I know that family is not always, easy to talk about, but when we're talking about rebuilding his family, we're not talking about the, um, the, the sinful version that the enemy has corrupted and then packaged and given each one of us in our specific situations in our lives. We're talking about the kingdom dream of our father, okay? And so I know that, uh, that family is messy. I know that family is painful. I had a, a privilege of sitting down with a, a leader of a ministry school in Nashville. I, Chris Dupre was there, and so was Philip, and we got to hear about, this is a lady it, how she was speaking at another church. It was a church similar to ours, lots of flaggers, all right? The flags that these people used at this church had these like spear tips on the ends of them, What we don't know why, all right? So how they remedied that is they found these little plastic balls and they cranked them on the ends of the spear. So you're kind of, they, had, they weren't sharp, but they were like weighted uh, weighted, you know, flags. And so this lady is speaking as a guest at the church, still family, right? Just different church, but still body of Christ. And she's over here in the front row um, and uh, she's in the flag zone. And five minutes before she gets up to speak, she gets clocked straight in the middle of the of the head, like right in her forehead with one of these tipped um, flags. And, and she, she says she bruises easily. So w- when they called her up on stage, everyone sees this welt and then it gets like blackened bluer over time, all right? And then she's speaking, that was, that was one night, and then she's speaking the next morning, and so she talked to the leadership of the church, and she said, hey, can you just make sure that, that none of your ninjas slash flaggers are by me uh, this morning, if I could just have my space, but wouldn't you know that some a uh, uh, ninja flagger came over to her and clocked her right in the same spot, all right? <laughs> and she's, she's so angry, but do you know what she, she is sharing with us? And She's like, isn't that just how church is? Sometimes you get clocked in the head, but we're still family. Sometimes it's a mess, right? And guys, I I just, I I wanna speak this into us. Like being family is um, is not a promise that you'll never get whacked in the head, all right? Being family is just a part of the heart of God. As I was up praying about this this morning, I don't know why, and I've shared this in in church before in in my speaking, but the memory of me being a 16-year-old boy at the Outer Banks um, on a family vacation in a pop-up trailer um, popped in my head. And I remember we were sleeping in this pop-up trailer at the Outer Banks, it's very windy there too, one of the 10 most windy places on the, on the planet. And this windstorm uh, comes and it catches that flap that you're supposed to eat, that your picnic table's supposed to be under, right? And it turns our flap into a sail and like we're going down and I, I hear my dad who's outside, you know, it's a torrential downpour and my dad is screaming, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. And so I come out to help my dad. And as soon as I get out there trying to get this flap from flapping uh, in the wind, my dad says, I can't breathe. And he goes back inside and leaves me alone, right? <laughs> and I remember, I remember feeling kind of like, a, like more manly than my dad when I did the job that he should have been doing and went back in, right? But I, you know what I also felt? And I got my dad's permission. I'm not just a, a launching this out there. I also felt kind of abandoned. Like even the best dads, and my dad was a good one, but even the best dads hurt us and injure us sometimes. very in- interesting. That, uh, was this guy amazing or what, right? <laughs> that he comes and he's speaking this father word over our house. Because what, what we have to do is we cannot let our pain be a barrier to the heart of the father anymore. And we can't let our pain be a resistance to actually operating in his, his dream. And do you know what the father's dream is for his people? Is that we would operate as family, okay? Jesus didn't die on the cross to invite you and in, to adopt you into a, a very smooth business with these great parameters where you never get hurt all right? He's not looking for smoothness. He's not looking for things going well. You know what? He's not looking first and, you know, and, and foremost to use you. Do you know that? I, we talk all the time that God's got a calling on his life. He really wants to use you, okay? I want to tell you today, he's not near as interested as using you as knowing you. OK, and so all of this stuff, listen, can we agree to push past some of this stuff today? And can we say that as God is building his church, he is not building a machine. He is building a people. All right. He is not bu- He's not building a structure. He's not just building a system. He is building a family. Okay, And if we can use some machines now and, get, now and again, fine. But that is not the purpose. He wants people to belong. He wants people to be known. And he wants us to work as non-professionals side by side. Okay, So Nehemiah chapter four, starting in verse 14. I, I thought this was amazing when I, when I read this. This is when the people of God, they're building the wall. They're threatening other people. Other people are benefiting and profiting off of walls being weighed laced and down. And here comes Nehemiah with a God dream that he's cried and fasted over for months and years. And now he's inviting the family of God to rebuild walls. And as they're doing that, they're getting on the enemy's radar because the enemy spent a long time tearing down those walls, right? And so here we see in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, where Nehemiah says, under threat of massive opposition, enemy opposition. Like we're talking armies. We're not just talking words. We're talking armies. Nehemiah says this, Nehemiah chapter 4, 14, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And listen to this. Remember the Lord, remember the Lord, but fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So the energy behind the battle is not, Fight for your finances. It's not fight so we don't have a hiccup. It's not fight so we can finish on time. It is fight for your family. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your, your wives. And fight for the home that all of you comprise. This is, the, this is how we're going to fight our battles this is how we're gonna build our walls. The energy behind this is I'm not using my sons, my daughters, my, you know, my wife. I'm gonna go singular on that one, all right? I, I'm, not, I'm not using family. I, I am fighting for family. There's gonna be the energy behind. You'll catch that one later, all right? All right, fight for your families. This is the, the battle cry of Nehemiah when it came down to it, and when everyone's livelihood was on the line, the battle cry of Nehemiah was fight for your fam. You've gotta fight for your family. This is a principle that we see all throughout this book. Actually in Nehemiah chapter three, verses 10, 23, 28, 29, and 30, okay? Just in that chapter, and there's more, but just in that chapter, Nehemiah is assigning people to work on the parts of the walls that are closest to their homes. Okay, that is not coincidence. That is, that is kingdom strategy, okay? Because God has attached our hearts, as imperfect and messy as families may be, God has attached our hearts that, you know, dads, you know what, what uh, you would willingly do? And I, I know a lot of you dads, and I saw you at the daddy-daughter dance, and I saw how you looked at your girls, and I, I know that we would gladly, without a second thought, lay our lives down for our families, right? And this is what God, this is a kingdom thing that God has wired into people, into human beings, that we we are going to protect our families at all costs. It's interesting how the enemy comes and perverts it and actually has family be the place where you get hurt the most, right? So, but here, Nehemiah says, "You you know what, people of God? I'm actually gonna have you building the part of the wall that will benefit your home the most. And that is not bad. That is good kingdom motivation, He could have said, you know, in in a lot of fundamentalist conservative churches, oh, we're going to just love uh, the people over there so much. We're going to, listen, let's stop spiritualizing the ridiculous. And let's start saying it is good and right for us to fight for our families. And the part of the wall that we should be building is the part that's going to impact my family the most. I like that one. I didn't have that written. That just came right out. All right. so. Anytime I can kind of run over fundamentalists, I do, you know. So, but uh, hey, I want to talk. I want to talk about uh, about a few things that we that uh, the ways that good, healthy kingdom families rebuild. So, in the kingdom, here's some ways that we rebuild. If you have your notebooks out or your pens or whatever, if you just have a photographic memory, now is the time to activate it. But here's ways that a good kingdom family rebuilds as family. So. Uh, Uh, A kingdom family rebuilds as family by valuing, serving over professionalism. Okay, we've really got to hear this. God is not looking for quality of work as his first priority. Let that sit and settle. Many times we think about the, the quality of the job that needs to be done but often, God loves to use just an imperfect person to get their hands and their fingers on a project, and God is going to use maybe the mess that they'll make for his kingdom purposes. So we're not building as professionals that are hired to perform well in the kingdom. Okay? Now, there is there's a fine line here because uh, we're also not, we're not talking about people operating outside of their giftedness. If we we see that in operation, people are gonna get stressed out and people are gonna uh, fail, all right? So I'm not talking about giftedness right now. I'm just talking about how family operates because don't you know that at Thanksgiving dinner, you don't have to be gifted at potato peeling to serve in that capacity, right? You don't have to be gifted at setting up tables and putting tablecloths over to serve in that capacity. This is, I'm not talking about giftedness here. I'm talking about how family operates when it's in need. And when a job needs to be done, family pitches in like it or not, but hopefully like it out of love, right? Right? But in a kingdom family, you value serving over professionalism. Nehemiah did not hire outsiders and paid them to do a good job. He invited family to rebuild walls that would impact their families. All right, in Nehemiah chapter three, uh, actually verse twelve, you actually see there's there's some snippets of this if you just read slowly. And I actually got uh, uh, that app that reads the Bible to you. I had a long car ride. I just listened to the Book of Nehemiah be read to me, and it's amazing. But in Nehemiah chapter three, you actually I I love the part where you see a father building a wall with his girls, with his daughters. I just thought that was very, very, very interesting. Like, like here, here we let's do this together. You see goldsmiths building a wall. So people that are used to making gold stuff are now turning into like masons working with rocks and however they built the wall. Perfumers building the wall. Levites, these are singers, these are these are Old Testament worship leaders building the wall. And how many of you know that usually musicians, they can't, they can't do stuff, you know, when it really matters. They don't know. They're good here. They're horrible on wall building. But God's calling them into, God's calling them into this. Even priests building the wall. Now, that's the part that fell down first. And uh, the, uh, But, uh, but uh, what I'm saying is here, God's not looking for a job well done as much as he's looking as a family coming together to do it, Boy. all right? And that is the beauty of, of the supernatural God that we have because he can take just somebody's attempt and make it work, all right? So this is there's so many places where we put our trust in our ability to do something. I'm calling that professionalism. And God is calling us back into family and he's saying, activate everybody just to do their best and see how I use that. So God values serving over professionalism. But here's another thing that God prioritizes, belonging over opportunism, okay? Just can I say that again? God values belonging. He prioritizes belonging over opportunism, okay? Now, I've been a pastor for 24 years. I've had a lot of people that have, have had not a finger in getting us to where we are today, want to, with no sweat in the game, no skin in the game, just wanna use this opportunity to be live streamed to do their own agenda, all right? We, we have to guard from that all the time because when you see something, you've got a gift and you, you, and you see your opportunity. Many times the church is, is full of people that maybe they have a good word, but they don't have a good word where family is burning in their bones. What's happening is their opportunity is burning in their bones and they just want their shot, all right? It, it got really awkwardly quiet, but I had to say it. All right, so here's the context of where I'm getting this biblically. The context is this. As exiles are returning to the walls that are being rebuilt, okay, many of them are poor. Many of them are are beyond poor. And so what is happening is the nobles and the officials, the Jewish nobles and the Jewish officials are, are actually taking these poor people's lands. They're charging very high interest and they're even taking them as slaves, Okay, Jewish people are returning. The Jewish people that are well off, the nobles and the officials, are seeing these Jewish people return. They have nothing. They are in need. And so instead instead of giving them what they've got like family, they're seeing it as an opportunity to make a dime. That is what's happening. That is the context here. Look at Nehemiah. Here's what Nehemiah says about this. In Nehemiah chapter five, verses six through nine, he says this, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. And I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. And I said to them, you are exacting interest each, listen to this, each from his brother, these aren't, this isn't an opportunity for your business. You are exacting interest each from his family member. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, "We, as far as we are able, have bought have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations." So here's what's going on in, in in Judah. Judah's actually spending money to buy buy the exiles back so they can return. And as they come back, the people that bought them back are now making them slaves. We, we've we've the, the, these people have been sold to the nations, but you. Even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent, could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? And then he really lets them out of it if you keep reading. What I'm saying, guys, is many times we see an opportunity and opportunity often gets us outside of family the fastest. All right, so Jews are being redeemed from exile only to be sold into slavery by their own brothers. And Nehemiah's charge is, these are your family members, not an opportunity to gain wealth. All right? And how this impacts us in the church today is, number one, we, we too often see people's ability over their intrinsic worth as an image bearer. Okay. So if you lead a team and you see somebody walk in and you know that they're, they use a certain ability that they have in the, in the real world outside, you say, man, we could really use that person. And maybe they could be use, useful and used, but that's not the first thing that God sees. Man, that, that, well, you could really be used. Like we've, that, is, that type of ter- terminology has become commonplace. I've said it too much. I think we all have, but... In the kingdom, God does not see our value based on what we can do for him. Do you know that God does not need anything from us theologically, biblically? God doesn't raise us up so, so he can use us out of need, okay? He has no deficiencies, he needs nothing. God is fine on his own, but what he loves to do is he loves to give people and invite them into his mission. So we would co-mission with him. And God first, when he, when he sees your life, he doesn't see what you can bring him, he sees you. And we just have to be people that we, when we see people, we, we kind of get past all the cool stuff on the outside. We get past all the, all, they can do this and they can do this. And we just say, you know, I, I, just, I just really like this person, who they are, how God's made them. I like to hug them. I like to high five them. I like to do life with them. I love, I just love their heart. But here's here's number 2 is the opposite is true as well that we often use our giftedness as an agenda and we look to be used first rather than belong first so b- belonging is much more kingdom than being used all right so many times we we walk into a, we walk into a place as so if you're a musician here and you look at what happened on stage this morning the enemy will quickly tell you, I, I only know this from experience. Um, the enemy will quickly tell you, this is not your place. They, they, they don't need you. They have enough musicians. You're a musician. You're, you're not on that caliber. They don't need you. Not your house. But God, that is not how God operates. That is the enemy trying to chase you off from a, a potentially great family moment, okay? And what, the, what, the, what, the, what, the, what, what God would say is, man, this is a house where you can belong, if you never step on the stage again, that really doesn't matter. You know what? The, I, used to, I used to preach every single Sunday morning before we had a good deep team with Tom Sippling and Chris Dupre and Kelly Latta and Caleb Kinsley and whoever else preaches here. You know, I used to preach every single, there was, there was a span of three years that I preached every single Sunday for three years, unless I was on vacation, and I led worship every single Sunday while I preached, Okay. And so the time came where it was good for me to not find my inde- my identity in my usefulness but step aside and let other people be raised up because that's what dads do in houses they stop mowing the lawn so their sons and daughters can. That's what dads do in houses. That's what moms do in houses. They, they actually train up and empower the next generation then champion them and never create, take credit for any of the discipleship training. They just say, hey, I, I did what I needed to do in a window of time, and now I'm stepping aside and you use my pioneering as, as a, a victory for you. And you just go after that. All right, so there's times where, where sometimes God needs to use you in a certain way. All right, and then some, but if it ever starts becoming your identity, you know that it's no longer kingdom. And we have to stop taking our gifts and our talents and presenting them to our families as agendas, unless you do this this way, because this I'm called, I am called, this is what I do, this is what the, the hand of God is on my life to do. No, the hand of God is on your life to know him and belong to us. Not to do something in the body first and foremost. Right? There's horrible theology that has swept through the church where usefulness has trumped belonging and it really needs to change. That's not building his family. All right? But here's, here's my favorite one though, and this is the last one. That kingdom family, or rebuilding his kingdom family, refocuses or focuses on faithfulness over usefulness. Now I know I'm using that usefulness word the most. I just want to be clear. I, and I really, I want to draw our attention to the word faithfulness, faithfulness. Guys, it is, it is faithfulness that wins the day, not performance. Maybe I should have said focuses on faithfulness over performance. But Nehemiah chapter seven, verse two, listen to this for a moment. I, I'll just back up to one so we can see this in context a little bit. Now, when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the, the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed, listen to this. I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. Here's why. It's not that he was gifted. It's not that, you know, it's not that he performed well. For he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. So when, when things are built, you know who you hand things over to? Not the people who, who, who got the most stretch of the wall done, the fastest, okay? You hand things over to people that are, just faithful more than many, that I'll be there. If it gets tough, you can count on me. I'll still be there. I'm going to assume the best, not the worst. You've, I've got your back. You know, if I wish I could tell you how many people have told me, I take a bullet for you. And every single person that has told me they take a bullet for me has left me. All right. So listen, we've got to be, we're quick with our words. We're slow with our faithfulness. And so like a, a, a people that are actually faithful, do you know if, if your kids are growing up in a home and maybe you're not the best at this and maybe you don't have the most experience in that and maybe you're not this or that, but you're faithful, your kids are gonna, are gonna thrive under that protection. You just do what you say. You show up in your life, in their life. You get to their games. You're you're faithful. They they actually, they can trust you're going out and you're coming in. They don't have to hide from you. It's just like, my mom, and my dad, they're they're faithful people. They're for me and they're not against me. Even on my worst day, they're faithful to walk with me and not disown me and abandon me. They're faithful. Faithfulness also does does this. A faithfulness is a willingness to be hidden. You know that? Faithfulness is a willingness to be hidden. Faithfulness doesn't need stages. Faithfulness is fine behind. Faithfulness will, will, be, will be tucked in the corner and let other people succeed and nobody but Jesus will ever know who actually did it. You, you think about this at sports games. Anybody watch an NCAA tournament? See Duke one? Talk about Coach K. I, I feel like he's a, he's a builder of family, not machines. I think that's why he's, he's been so great. But but you, you you see you see at sports games those stands are full of parents, and those parents' kids are on the floor, and at the end of games you don't see when when the when these athletes are being interviewed you don't see parents coming and knocking their kids out of the way and said I put all my time I drove to all their practices I, I you know I paid for all of their stuff even this uniform even their schooling and their educations me me me. That would be ridiculous that parents, healthy parents don't take credit for their children's success. There's a beauty in hiddenness where others become great on your dime at your expense. They become great. That is family. That is rebuilding his family. It has to happen in the church so much. Oftentimes, leaders get threatened about other very uh, gifted people and try to keep them down. That is the reason, though, the opposite of that is the reason why the worship ministry at Providence is so successful, because Pastor Philip is not afraid of people better than him. He actually gets them on stage beside him and behind him, and he cheers them all on. And you guys know that this is how it works with your kids, if you try to keep your kids at, at, below you all the time, they're, they're going to rebel. That is not family. That's not relationship. So it's, it's a heart search. So guys, when I'm talking about building like family, I'm not talking about building perfection. I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about the weird stuff. I'm I'm telling you, it's going to hurt. It's going to be a process, but I'm talking about we're not building professionals here. We're building servants. We're not prioritizing opportunism. We're not taking advantage of of people. We're focusing first on who people are and and us belonging together. And then we're we're, uh, talking about faithfulness, faithfulness, hiddenness, humility, making other people great at our expense. That's how family rebuilds. That's how Nehemiah rebuilds. And do you know who else builds like that? Julie Hennon. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Julie is the, uh, when, when you go all the way back to when Providence started, Julie's the last person that started with us and then just never left. It's the last one. So all about faithfulness. Um, when we first came to Providence, and uh, we were just a tribe of, of angry um, young adults that were just like, just ticked off at the church. Like we could sit and we could spiritualize swearing at what the church has done to Christians, you know, we were just like, what? We don't want to be a part of this nonsense, all right? And so we would just get together all angry as we were in my house for a while. We'd eat and we'd laugh. and um, But uh, we were trying to build something different. And Julie came along and she just jumped right in. We had known Julie because of the Pulse Youth Ministry. Julie served on our volunteer team as a parent and um, she was wonderful. Um, and when she first started coming to, to Providence, as we started gathering, um, she noticed that when she would come in on a Sunday morning, she wasn't being greeted. Do you know what 95% of people do when they come to church and they're not greeted and they don't feel like someone's reached out and say, I'm not seen. I don't feel like I belong. All that stuff. They get angry. They chalk it up as pain and they leave for the next church. You know, do you know what Julie Hennen did? She started a greeting team, right? She said, I'm not gonna let this get me down. You know, this is an area where I can serve. So she just started one. When we needed a bookkeeper back in the day, Julie said, I think I can do that. Do you guys know that Julie was her bookkeeper for a time? Right? She just used all, she's a very smart person and she was a bookkeeper. She really, whatever was needed in any given season with no agenda, Julie was willing to do because Julie operates like this, faithfulness, family, um, Julie then became, as, as we just found, man, this is a lady that we can trust. This is, this is somebody here that has a spine. This is somebody here that is faithful to the end. This is somebody here that actually, you know what? She loves people, you know? And she became, we started entrusting her with more and more and just kind of letting her into our hearts. I know for, for me, on the kind of on the inside of stuff, there's only a few people that you can let into your heart and just trust with like, you know, j- just your life, your weaknesses, your strengths, everything in between. And Julie became a trusted person like that. Best administrator I've ever known in my entire life. Never known one better. And uh, she really became a pastor to so many people because she has Jesus's eyes. And she knows how to see people and pull them out of the crowd. Um, It's because of Julie, if you, you know, I, I kind of look at crowds sometimes. But Julie will look at a crowd and say, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so. And Julie would give people calls and find people and go after people and coffee with people, tea with people. Um, many people credit Julie with the reason that they are at Providence. Anybody here do that? All right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Many people credit Julie with the reason why they're at Providence, but she's never preached, she's never preached from this platform. You guys, you need to think about that for a moment. Julie's she's, she's rarely, rarely seen up front over all of the years. Maybe we could count them on, you know, four hands. The times that Julie's just been up front. And here's the thing, she's good at it, but she never made it her agenda. Other churches bring her, bring her in to train their welcome ministries on how to uh, have a welcoming culture. Yet Julie just served with that gift and never made it a really big thing. There's never agenda. It's just like, how would you need me? Here I am. Now we could go down through the list on all the ways that Julie's been used, but I think when you uh, narrow down Julie, if you boil her heart down, um, you get a person who sees people with love and you get a faithful person to the end. All right, that's how I boil Julie down. Do you see people, Julie sees people with love. She, she, she sees, she sees a, a, a herd of people, a flock of people, and then she knows how to love each person, connect people. And then you see Julie in her faithfulness, no matter what season Julie has. And we've gone through some seasons here, almost 15 years as a church. We've gone through some seasons. Julie's been through them all. And she stood faithful, strong, committed, sometimes hurt because it's not easy, but she never let hurt win, pain win. She always let Jesus win. Okay, so really when you look at, at Julie's impact on Providence, Julie has built, with, with the heart of family, Julie has built what I'm calling a legacy wall. A legacy wall is not a wall that falls down when that person does. A legacy wall is not a wall that falls down when, when that person moves away, all right? A legacy wall is a wall that's so strong that other people can, can run and party and, and be happy on A legacy wall is the kind of wall that other people can step on and it's secure enough that they can take it to new heights. And that is the kind of wall that Julie has built. It's a wall that won't crumble just because she's not here. It's a wall strong enough for others to take higher and run on and have fun on, dance on in Julie's honor. So this morning, um, as it's Julie's um, final um, Sunday with us, uh, I want us as a, as a church to be able to pray over her. Julie, do, do you actually mind coming up here for a moment? Can you do that? As she comes up, you just do what's in your heart for this woman, all right? <clears throat> you good? All right, <laughs> okay. So here's why, here's why i like Julie to be here is because number one, I want us as a house to pray over her, but number two, and here's the most important thing. Actually, I'm going to start talking again. You better sit down. All right. So, and I'll give you a second to stand up in a moment, but, but here's, here's the other thing is that I, I want Julie to pray over us. Do you know, do you know what the word impartation means? It's like, when you have a gift, you can actually impart it to other people. I just encourage other people with it. I want Julie um, to to be able to just kind of impart to us her heart and her stuff this morning. And I think that when when you think about Julie, many of you see Julie like, I'm here only because of Julie. I think God wants to change that tape. That's not how Julie operates, okay? And so it'd be very ironic that you would be at a church because of someone, and then you'd leave a church because, because of someone that doesn't operate the way that God used in your life. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think so this morning, some of us, if Julie's the reason that you're, you're here, you have a decision to make. I can, I can leave with Julie, or I can take what, Ju, what God used in my life because of Julie, and I can start like being Julie to people. A whole army of, do you know, 40 Julies are the only thing that would be better than one Julie. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? So I just feel like, like there's like 40 or 50 Julies here that you just, need to, you just need to swallow hard. Let Holy Spirit courage come up in your heart and say, you know what? I'm going to begin to walk like this woman modeled. Right? And so Julie, we just wanna say how thankful we are for you. Um, I did my best to kinda honor you in the the time that I had. There's no way of doing it perfectly. Um, So we're just so thankful for you. And uh, we we just wanna pray for you now. Can we do that? And Do we have some of the the leaders and stuff? Can you just hop on stage? Let's be crazy here, all right? And actually, let's just stand to our feet again. And let's stretch out our hands to Julie. Let's just thank God for this this woman, all right? I'm just gonna start praying. You guys just get around her as you can. Stretch out your hands. Just begin to actually just tell God right now in the quietness of your heart why you're thankful for this woman. Just begin to bless her and bless her from your heart. Just begin, begin to bless her, to speak God's heart, God's word over her. So Heavenly Father, just with hearts um, that are incredibly thankful, we wanna say thank you for the, the gift of this person. She's done a lot of amazing things, Father, here, but beyond what she's done, the reality that she's shared her life with us, and she's shown us the Father's heart and what it is to operate as, as moms and dads in a house with spiritual sons and daughters is really the thing that we take away. Uh, she's shown us that, that uh, Jesus leaves the 99, goes after the one. She's shown us that uh, we can be picked out of a crowd by the eyes of Jesus. She, she's just shown us, God, what it is to be hidden away. That it's better, that that sometimes lonely hillsides are better than congested stages, God. And so we just, we thank you, God, for Julie. We thank you for her heart. We thank you for her life. And we thank you, God, that we're not losing her. We thank you that she, it is impossible to lose Jenny or Hinn uh, Julie Hinnon from our hearts. It's impossible. She has made an indelible impact on our hearts, so it is impossible to lose her, Uh, but it is very possible to launch her into a greater season. And God, we just pray as she's launched into this season um, that it would be even better. We just pray that, that uh, her husband, Brad, would feel so loved by her. We pray that her whole family would feel so loved. Uh, and in fact, I, I know that what Julie carries you know, at, the, at Vail Resorts, God, people are gonna feel loved too, but I, 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 I don't even pray for that as much, God, as I just pray for Julie. Like, Phil Payne spoke in a prayer meeting the, the other night that now Julie would go from a season of seeing other people to being seen by her dad. Yeah, so I just pray that Julie feels so seen that she just comes alive in that. And so God, we, we launched Julie into a season of being seen now and uh, just being able to focus and just be able to be blessed. God, she's worked so hard. If anybody deserves to live on a resort in Wyoming, <laughs> it is Julie Hitting God. Can we give Julie a round of applause? Come on. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.